So would you please welcome up Pastor Tasha? Thank you, baby. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Thank you, guys. I am super, super excited to bring you the word this morning. This is going to be a good morning. Well, today we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people don't talk about. We never focus on it. We always ignore it. Uh, we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about how to live for today. Do you live in today? Or is your head spinning with memories of yesterday and plans for tomorrow? Do you feel accomplished and purposeful when you lay your head on your pillow at night? Or do you lay there with regret and replaying the same mistakes that you made over and over? Do you wake up determined and excited for the day? Or are your mornings full of worry and planning? See, here's what I know. God didn't create you for yesterday. If he did, you'd be irrelevant today. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Hmm, don't dwell on the past. See, that can be easy if you didn't have a very difficult past, right? But I understand it's harder when six-year-old self was mistreated. It's, it's harder when you know, you think about that special person that you lost way too soon. It's harder when the example that was set for you growing up was to constantly focus on the past. And yes, there are lessons that we can learn from what we've been through and, and what we've done and what we've overcome. But when we let our thoughts consume us, see, that's the problem. It can take us down a path of constant regret and fear and unforgiveness. So I wanna teach you a method today for every time your mind starts wandering back to the past. And it's actually kind of a phrase that I made up when I found myself addicted to shopping. And I'm not exaggerating when I use that word. After a month of looking back on my bank account history and realizing that four times in the last three weeks, my account was withdrawn and went way under zero. I was like, Tace, you gotta get it together. So you can't quit shopping, you're still gonna do it, but what can you do so that maybe you spend a little bit less? And so what I started to do is when I would go shopping and I saw something that I liked, but I knew I couldn't afford it, I wasn't gonna let my bank account go below zero, I would say, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm not taking it home with me, all right? So cute person in the corner, ooh, love the color, love all the pockets, would look great on my shoulder, but I'm not gonna take it home with me. And the reason why is because I knew that eventually it would lead to regret. So maybe you can start using that when old memories start coming back. Because we should appreciate our past. It's made us who we are. But we don't need to let it follow us into our present. When your mind wanders back to that day when somebody really hurt you, how about I appreciate that I learned who I can and cannot trust, but I'm not taking that one home with me. How about when you keep replaying that same season in your life that brings you guilt and shame every time you think of it? How about, I appreciate that God called me out of my sin, but I'm a new person now, and I don't think I'm gonna take that one home with me. Even the happy memories, right? Because that verse said to not dwell on the past at all. He didn't say just don't dwell on the bad past. See, sometimes we can be like, I wish that things would just go back to the way that they were, but that's us dwelling on the past. So how about instead, I appreciate that I enjoyed that season of my life, but things change. And God has promised me something new. So I don't think I'm gonna take that old one home with me. 
So God didn't create you for yesterday, but he also didn't create you for tomorrow because if he did, you'd be useless today. Matthew 6, 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Hmm, don't worry about tomorrow. See, that can be easy if you have no goals. It can be easy if you have nobody else to take care of. It's harder to stop worrying when you have a novel length of things that you want to accomplish in life and you feel so far behind everybody else your age or everybody else next to you or your family who are doing incredible things. It can also be harder not to worry when you wake up one morning and realize that this is the world that your kids are gonna grow up in and you're not always gonna be there right next to them holding their hand. It can also be harder not to worry when you actually get excited about the future. You like planning and making lists and charts and vision boards, but when are you gonna start doing what you're planning? Doing what you dream. So there's another method for this kind of thinking that I like to use. I like to kind of, when my mind starts to go to the future, I like to envision myself like a fighter in the ring. You know, that's kind of like what life is, right? We step into the ring and we're warming up and we're waiting for that bell and the bell rings ding, ding, and it's time to go, right? But when I'm in the ring, when I'm deep in life and my mind starts to wander into the future, I find myself living somewhere else. I tell myself, I'm not going to be able to sub anybody else in for me. Nobody else can be me. I'm my only me. God created me for now. And so if I'm not here, my husband doesn't have a wife now. My students don't have a teacher now. Your kids don't have their mom or dad now if we're constantly living in the future. And that's why 85% of people lying on their deathbed spend their last few moments just pondering all of their regrets. And I don't think that they're just regretting the things they did do. I think they're regretting a lot of what they didn't do. So remind yourself, I can't be in two places at once. I've got to be present. We just finished an awesome series on Nehemiah and I just pray that you were inspired to change your world and to, to do what God has called you to do. But if you keep living anywhere else, but here in this present moment, like I'm confident a lot of us have for a really long time, then we're never gonna be able to take that next step. So I've got three more things that I wanna remind you to say to yourself whenever your mind starts wandering too far back into the past or too far forward into the future. So think of these three points as like anchors that pull us back into the present. So number one, I want you to remind yourself, God has spoken, so I already have all the answers. This is for those who are living in the past and keep questioning why it happened the way it happened. And this is for those who are living in the future and keep questioning what it is they're supposed to do with all of their time here. See, this book, it's a letter and it's written to anyone willing to pick it up and read it. And the difference between this book and others is that this book is alive. It's full of stories of people who lived ages ago. And yet what baffles my mind is it's still just so relevant today, isn't it? You read a verse or a story and you're like, oh dear God, I'm going through that right now. It's like people were people back then. I can read this book and perfectly relate to a woman about to be stoned because she was caught in the act of adultery. She was cheating on her husband. Now I've never been unfaithful to my husband, but I have deceived people. 
I have been sneaky. I have lied. I've been like her, and so have you. And yet, God has taken our face and looked us in the eyes and said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. I can read this book and envision myself picking up a stone and and loading it into my slingshot and swinging that sucker around and taking down the giant to bring victory for my people. I can read this book and feel the weight of the shame that Peter felt when he denied knowing Jesus. I've done that, maybe you have too. See, I'm telling you, this book changes you. If you're looking for a manual on life, here it is. It left out no detail, it left no stone unturned, it left no story unfinished, and it left no question unanswered. So here's my question. Why are we still spending our limited time here on earth searching for answers? Do we really enjoy living every day wondering what is gonna happen in the future and, and, and worrying about it and then, and then just focusing on the past and, and all the terrible things that have happened? Do we really enjoy playing the same stories in our heads or maybe even telling people the same stories over and over again? Do we get a kick out of looking for questions and then obsessing over finding the answers? Here's my point, and I hope you write this down today. If our God never spoke another word, we already know everything we need to know from him. It's all right here. And the best part is, this is the only thing on the planet that claims to be one size fits all and won't let you down. So this ain't like those spanks you bought on eBay that claim to fit any size. Can I say that? You can be any size, any color, any age, any stage of life. You could have had a horrible upbringing or an incredible childhood. If you're a really organized, analytical, show me the facts kind of person, God created organization. This book is full of systems and blueprints and lists. And some of us love lists. Can I get an amen? You're going to love it. If you're a super scatterbrained person, on the other hand, you know, you kind of get easily distracted. You lose focus. This book is full of stories that paint pictures in your mind and, and keep you focused on the story. It's almost like you are the character in the book. If you're looking for instructions right now, geez, I just want someone to tell me what to do. I want to know what decision to make then how about instead of searching that garbage on YouTube about manifesting your inner peace and harnessing your full potential, you just read it right here. There's this really funny guy that posts these videos. Um, So it's like two videos in one. He'll post a video of somebody else who feels like they're just a genius and made up this life hack. And then it'll cut to him, right? So the the last one that I watched was, um, there was this person who drilled a hole through the handle of their toothbrush all the way up to the bristles. And then they put it in like uh, like a syringe and they filled the syringe with toothpaste. So you just have to like syringe your toothpaste and it goes up into the bristles. I think that sounds like a lot of work. And so the video shows this and he's like all proud of himself. And then it cuts to the other guy and he's just doing the original task. So he's got his toothbrush and his toothpaste and he's like, there you go. Was that so hard? And that's how I feel when so many people today are searching for life hacks for all their problems. Life hacks for getting through a heartbreak. Life hacks for raising their kids. 
life hacks for loving their spouse, life hacks for getting healthy. And it's our job as Christians to show people, hello, it's all right here. I've got the instructions. I've got the answers. I've got the hope. It's right here. This word is full of instructions when you don't know the way. This word is full of answers when all you've got are questions. This word is full of encouragement when our enemy keeps lying to us and telling us we aren't good enough. And yet we continue to look in every other possible direction. We're like a toddler. God's like, look over here. And we're like, okay. And we're looking everywhere else, but where we should be looking. Some of you know you're supposed to read the Bible, but you say things like, well, I've just never been into books. And yet you wonder why God won't use you in a certain area you've been waiting to lead in or serve in. Hmm. Let me tell you, the boss of all bosses is not going to roll the dice on hiring an employee that refuses to even read the manual. If you want a successful life, if you want to stop feeling ashamed or hopeless or empty, consume this book. You got to eat it like it's the last slice of pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. John 4, 32 to 34 says this, but Jesus replied, I have a food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. I love that. They're like, did Jesus door dash some Chipotle and he didn't take our orders? I don't know. Then Jesus explained, my food is to do the will of the God who sent me and finish his work. Dang, that's good. Imagine being able to say, my food is to serve God. See, my food is to please him. My food is to complete the assignment God sent me to do. So whether you're stuck in the past and, and can't seem to move forward because maybe you don't know how to forgive that person or because you don't understand why God allowed that thing to happen to you or maybe because you miss the past and you wish that things could go back to the way, to the way that they were or you're stuck in the future and from the moment you wake up in the morning till your head hits the pillow at night, you can't get tomorrow out of your head. You're worrying about it and planning for it and distracting yourself from the present. Either way, the help you need is right here in this word and it will never be changed, updated or revoked because God has spoken and what he says is final. So let's stop searching for answers in the wrong places. Number one, God has spoken. And number two, God has broken, so I'm already free. This point is a pretty quick one. Let's read Psalms 107, verses 13 to 14. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. So if we read that without context, we're like, yes, God is amazing. He will always help us in times of trouble. But if we know what people this verse is talking about, then we'd know that the reason they were in trouble is because they disobeyed God. And that just makes me all the more grateful for God's grace and forgiveness when it's his heart that I hurt with my sin. When it was him that I directed my sin toward, and yet he will always break my chains of sin. He will always forgive me. I will live a life that's pleasing to God. And when I inevitably fail, I will remember that God broke my chains of sin. He broke my addictions and habits. He broke my old way of thinking. He broke the generational curses that have been spoken over me. And he broke all the odds stacked against me. So there's no reason to spend a lifetime trying to forgive myself for the past or play it safe in my future. 
God has spoken, God has broken, and number three, God has chosen. So my time is now. Think about your life right now. What does it look like? What's your job? Where do you live? Are you single, married, or widowed? Do you have kids? Do you have friends? Do you have hobbies? Everything you just thought about sums up the person that you've become over the course of your life. And if we each took a turn and lined up here and explained to everybody the answers to those questions, we'd all have very, very different answers. And yet, even though your kids don't act like hers, and even though your car doesn't look like his, and even though your marriage might not seem as happy as theirs, God still chose you. He chose you with your insecurities and inabilities and insufficiencies. And I was pretty proud of myself for coming up with three words that sounded similar like that. That was pretty good. Thank you so much. Get that one tattooed on there. All right. He didn't choose you to keep living in the past. He already redeemed your past. And he didn't choose you to live in your future. He already wrote your future. He chose you for now, May 30th, 2021 at 9.44 a.m. So it's high time we hike up our big boy and big girl britches and get to work. Some of you think you're being hor uh, humble, excuse me, by thinking somebody else could probably do it. Somebody else is called or, or somebody else could at least do it better than you. See, like you do in life, I wear a lot of hats. Um, and I don't mean ball caps, although I wear those a lot around here because it's very windy out here all the time. But I wear a lot of hats in my life. And um, so let me just show you some of them today. I wear this one. This one says CBBA, and that's the Taekwondo organization that I'm a part of. And uh, David's rocking it. Come on, rep the CBBA swag. Thank you, bro. It's like he knew. And I love this organization. I love teaching kids and teens and adults how to protect themselves. I love teaching them discipline. I love instilling in them the word of God and the confidence that they can walk around and know that they're being safe. Um, I also have another hat. It's, um, it's a hat that I always wanted to wear and it's my new life pastor's hat. And I love this hat so much. Um, I love being a pastor. I love bringing you the word. I love praying for you. I love praying with you. I love praying about you. I love this job. I love this church. I love this network that we get to be a part of. I love that it's growing. I love that we get to be here and worship all together. I love this hat. I got another one. This one says wifey. This one is my favorite hat. And my husband's wearing his hubby hat. You guys just knew, that's so sweet. All right. This is my favorite hat. I love being a wife to my husband. I love taking care of him and I love being taken care of by him. I love my husband and I love my wife hat and I love that I get to be a wife. Um, but there's one more hat that I wanna show you today because um, it's a hat that I often have to pull out, excuse me, when someone tells me that um, they're lacking confidence that they're not ready to step into their calling, that, that God didn't really choose them, that they're too old, that they're too young, that they're too busy, that they're not talented enough. So let me take out this hat right here because I feel like some of you need me to wear this hat right now. And um, so let me just put on my uh, call out your crap hat. That's right, some of you didn't know how much I loved you till I came up here in front of all y'all wearing poop on my head, but now hopefully you believe me. See, um, 
Wow, I think it's time to start taking the phrases you've been using your whole life and call them what they really are. Crap, it's all crap. Can I say that up here? I think I can, I don't know. I don't know if I need permission, I'm not sure. All right, but dad's not here, so that's okay. All right. (laughs) You are capable, you are worthy, you are enough. And when you step back from your calling and go, oh, well, they're way more qualified. I'll let them do it. That's not humility, friend. That is a control issue. You are inadvertently telling God that he was wrong when he chose you and that you know a better way. Look, God chose you. Sorry, not sorry. Whether it's to be a parent or a business owner, to be married forever or single forever, whether it's to lead a ministry or to loyally support those who do lead whether it's to go back to school or to change careers or to lead your family to Christ. I'm gonna take this off because it's probably very distracting and really it's wildly inappropriate for me to be wearing this up here. Okay. See, God is sovereign. And that means that we don't need to pester him like a little kid asking, why me? Why now? Why that? See, remember, what we're talking about here is the answers are in this book. But when the answer isn't crystal clear and you still feel like you require an answer from God, then let me speak for God by saying, because he said so, and that's why. If he said wait, then wait. If he said move, then move. If he said speak, then speak. If he said have that conversation or confront that person or confess that hidden sin, then it doesn't matter why. The reality is we'll find out why in heaven. The important thing is that we do it now. Even though we can't see our future, God can. So, so if you're afraid, if you're nervous, it's okay to be nervous about your calling. I still am, we're human, but that doesn't disqualify us from pursuing God's plan. I don't know what happened to me in the last few years um, because I used to be very closed off. I'd be really selective about who I talked to. Um, I was pretty quiet. I would have never in a million years imagined being up here talking to people. Um, but God had other plans and things changed. And the more that he started to work in me and kind of reveal to me my calling, uh, the more that I developed a new method of confidence. I call it faking it. I started to pretend I was perfectly comfortable in any situation the Lord put me in. If I had a presentation to give in school, you best bet I was given that presentation like I was a business owner on Shark Tank and this was my last hope for my business to survive. If I had to confront somebody and I was nervous about how they might react, then I was really making sure that I was talking to them like their eternal future depended on it. Um, you know, and the more that I uh, pretended that I was comfortable, the more I realized I am comfortable. I am confident. I am in the right place. But I had to convince myself. Now, at times, this method has... Um, led me into some interesting situations. Um, So story time. So two weeks ago, I went out of town on a business trip and um, I flew out to Arizona to teach a martial arts camp. Oh, they already know the story, oh boy. And a couple of seminars. And I needed to get this thing on the plane. Now this, just to give you context, this is the shorter version of what I actually brought on the plane. You'll find out why, but I left that sucker in Arizona after this trip. Um, 
But this is the shorter version of what I had to get onto the plane. Now, my, ma my dad is a man of great faith and suggested that I just show up to the airport with my bow staff in hand with a face that said, take it from me and just hope that I get on the plane. Um, I, I feel like I'm a woman of faith, but not, not there yet. You know, I'm not on his level yet. Um, so I decided I'm going to call ahead just to make sure that everything would be okay. So I'm on hold with Southwest for, you know, five days. You know how it is. And um, I finally get a hold of someone and I describe the dimensions of my staff. I'm like, well, it's about five and a half feet tall. And, and um, she's like, well, it, it shouldn't be a problem. And I didn't think that that sounded very reassuring. So I wasn't going to wait another week on hold with Southwest to talk to somebody else to get the real answer. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take her word for it. What do you do when you're on the phone with somebody and they give you an answer and you're not so sure? You get their name, right? So I got her name. Hers was Nancy, just so you know. All right. Fast forward to the day of our flight. We do our thing at the kiosk. We check in our bags and then we get to the front of the line. Um, to give the guy our suitcases. And uh, he's like, you're not going to take that on, are you? I was like, yes, I am. This brother wanted to get punched in the face because he goes, good luck. So I know. So half of me was nervously sweating and the other half of me had my fists curled at numbskull Nancy and now also sarcastic Stan. Um, but then he had something that sets the scene for the entire rest of the day. He goes... I guess you can try to tell them it's a walking stick. So Michael and I make our way to the escalator and it's there that I have about a 15 second ride to make a decision. And my mind starts fighting with itself. It's like, should I lie and say it's a walking stick and increase my chances of getting it on the plane? Or should I tell the truth and whatever happens, happens, but at least my conscience is clear. And my brain is like, to lie to truth, to lie to truth. And out of nowhere, my body interrupted my thought process and screams out, to limp! And I just start limping. And I'm pretty sure throughout the rest of the day, I was switching which foot I was limping on. I don't know. Hopefully people didn't notice. So I start limping the half mile trek to the line of security. And um, by the time I reach there, I want to stop the act, but everyone is looking at me as you can imagine at this point. So whether I wanted to or not, I am now deep in this scene and there's no going back. It's like, it's a scene. So we get to the front and I see the guards eyeing me and I'm now committed to selling this fake handicap like it's a brand new car off the lot. And by the way, please forgive me if this is offensive for anybody who actually uses a walking stick or, you know, is handicapped in any way. If it is offense, who am I kidding? This is wildly offensive and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, but I'll make it up for you by entertaining you with the rest of this story. So one of the guards comes up to me and asks in a real serious kind of judgy way, ma'am, are you using that as a walking stick? And you want to know how serious I was about this character that I was playing? I was actually offended because he said, using it as a walking stick, as though this wasn't a legit walking stick, <laughs> which it wasn't, but that's beside the point. So I go, yes, sir, it's my walking stick. And as soon as I said that, I mean, the poor fella, he must have had somebody handicapped in his family because his whole demeanor changed. He was like, oh, no, no problem. Uh, we'll need to put that through the x-ray, ma'am. But we've got a cane over here for you to take through the metal detector if you want to while this is going through the x-ray. 
Y'all, the guilt was real heavy at this point. Like if I didn't know Jesus, there's no way I'd believe I was going to heaven after this. I don't know. Lord, thank you. Your mercies are new every flight. Okay, so I limp over to the x-ray and I give the lady my walking stick and she, you know, shoves it through the x-ray thing. And I turn around fully prepared to have to fake limp to the back of the line. Cause y'all know there's another line then to get through the metal detector. And I kid you not, as I turn around, 40 people in unison just So, um, family, I'd be lying if I didn't consider the idea of traveling this way all the time. So the next time you travel by air, I got the hookup, fam. You just, you just come over, boo-boo. I'll give you my stick. It's fine. All right. So I quietly repent as I grab the Southwest courtesy cane and hobble through the metal detector. But I'm proud to say my bow staff made it to Phoenix, baby. I mean, it made it. All right victory okay now that was the part that I had to pretend right I had to fake it I wasn't really handicapped I'm perfectly healthy I don't have a limp but here's the thing once I got through security and was free to go about my day I continued to limp for like several minutes like like an inappropriate amount of time and my husband was super embarrassed he kept whispering baby I think you're good now I think it's good I don't I think we're clear, we made it through, you don't have to do that anymore. Like several times he had to remind me. But it was like that half hour of faking it made me believe I was in need of this walking stick. My hip started to hurt y'all, I needed it. See, when we discover our calling, a lot of the time it's not others that need to be convinced, they believe our story. Others usually have no problem believing that you're called to do something, it's you. And sometimes we just need to fake it until we believe what we're telling others. So what's your limp? What do you need to fake until you believe it? Do you need to limp your way through parenting until you believe you were called to raise those kids? Do you need to hobble into a ministry until you believe that God called you to lead that group? Do you need to stumble into your next big thing until you believe that God chose you for such a time as this? You might have to because it is very unlikely that you'll feel 100% prepared to follow your destiny before you get there. But I love this phrase our executive team uses all the time. See, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. You are called, my friend. (laughs) That was a little aggressive, sorry. You're called and you're called and you're called. I'm gonna put this down before I hurt myself, but, um. but you are called. So when you find yourself looking back or looking ahead, I wanna challenge you by reminding you that God has spoken, so I already have the answers. God has broken, so I'm already free. And God has chosen, so my time is now. Would you bow your heads, please? Just take a moment to kind of settle into the presence of God. You gotta be aware that he's in this place this morning. See, for someone here, Today could be your turning point. You can walk away from this gathering the same way you walked in with grief from yesterday and anxiety for tomorrow, or you can walk away with peace. I want that for you. God wants that for you. And it may not be an immediate deliverance from the habits you've built for so long, but but it can be the start of a choice to lean on God's word, to lean on who he says you are, 
and to start living for today. I know there's someone here, maybe one, maybe many, who want to be more present and who know they're called, but, but you keep telling yourself that someone else is better or someone else is more qualified. And I'm telling you, it's time for you to trust God, to believe He knows what He's doing and to limp right into your calling. I know you might be nervous, maybe not because of the act of coming up here like we're gonna do in just a second, but, but because by coming up here, you're making a public commitment to follow through, to take it from someone So take it from someone who daily wakes up still in awe that this is what God called me to do. But answering the call that God has for your life is the most fulfilling thing that you could ever do. So when I count to three, I want you to walk or hobble or limp right up to this altar, right in front of this stage here so we can pray together. Now you might be wondering why you can't just make the decision in your heart right where you're sitting and be done with it. Why is it so special to come down here? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So I'm ready to agree with you. I want you to come get your blessing this morning. Ready, one, two, three. Come on up here. It might be a long trek for some of you, but you limp right up here. Come get your blessing. Praise God.